Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher with Fletcher Safety Consulting, welcoming you back to another episode of What's the Hazard, uh, the podcast for safety professionals by safety professionals. Thanks for joining us. I have a great guest today, a uh, good friend of mine. We've been friends for probably 20 years, man. I have no least, idea, yeah. but it's been a long time. He's a mainstay in the safety community here in Nebraska. <laughs> um, really interesting guy, actually. He has been the safety director for uh, industrial locations, a couple, at least two mm-hmm. that I'm aware of, two right. industrial facilities, a construction company, and pro- probably the only guy that I know that has put uh, a general industry facility and a construction company into VPP. Yep. You may be the only guy in the country that's ever done that, man, which <laughs> I just find remarkable. For those of you that, that know what OSHA's Voluntary Protection Program is, the VPP, you know, this is the elite. This is the best of the best as recognized by OSHA. And my guest, Jim Steele of Airlight Plastics, is the man that has put a company into both construction and industry. So that uh, that might mark you as, you know, <laughs> in, I don't know that anybody else has done that. So. Well, I, I hadn't really thought about it. but uh, it's, it's incredible, but man, truthfully. I'll take so the Jim, first place on that. Thank you for being here, man. Yeah, Jim is, uh, I have probably said this before, but Jim... Um, is one of those guys that in the safety community that we all turn to when we have issues. He has helped me on programs and projects and, you know, everything above and beyond that I could ask of him, he has been there to help me with. And um, once again, he's taken time off from his busy schedule to be here. I appreciate it, man. Sincerely. Yeah, you bet. You bet. You're too so kind. We're going to talk safety. Uh, why don't you tell everybody about, you've got kind of an interesting history coming into this profession. Why don't you tell everybody how you started, and we'll go with that. Well, it started uh, started decades ago. I can't even remember. I think it was the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, I was working. I was going to college, and and um, uh, I worked in a prison. I was just a prison guard, working my way through college, and I'd see this guy come out, and he would do his little inspections, and then he'd go back into his office, and <clears throat> and it occurred to me that uh, that a college student could probably get good grades <laughs> if he had that job, and so exactly. Uh, anyway, I was, shanked either yeah, truthfully. exactly, exactly. Actually, so I ended up uh, as a housing unit supervisor at some point and uh, started doing all of the safety protocol that were required for that housing unit. But it turned out some other areas were not doing those things, and and uh, they recognized that during some audit and asked me if I wanted to take over as the mm-hmm. safety person. And so that was really kind of how I got into mm-hmm. it. That's good. So I looked up safety in the dictionary. What is this? And yeah. yeah. So I signed up from, for some safety council classes and uh, yeah. yeah, I went to, to OSHA's training institute in Des Plaines. It was back oh, yeah. when they had it at one little, one little uh, oh, building yeah. in Des Plaines. Yeah. So I went to the some OTI. Training. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. So yeah. So I went to that and, you know, kind of got underway with it. And so when, when we first met, you were probably at Chief Industries at that time in Granite. Probably. probably. I, well, I, before that, I was with uh, with uh, OSHA's consultation program. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so that's I worked right. for OSHA's consultation program for Absolutely. quite a while. For, so uh, five, is that, uh, that 757 or with the actual consultation? Group? It was the actual consultation initially, okay. and then they started 757 while I was there. Okay. Uh, and 757, for those that don't know, is just a, a state law that passed that required safety committees and safety programs, and it had a little bit of enforcement authority, but right. not much and that's really kind of waned i think there's not right. much of that left anymore but but yeah that's what yeah that is interesting so yeah so for those of you in nebraska and i'm i'm hopeful hopeful that you know we might have listeners in iowa at some point but in nebraska that legislative bill that you're referring to 757 uh required safety committees and we're going to talk about safety committees today later um, I'm not sure everybody realizes that OSHA doesn't actually require safety committees that that is a state 
uh, requirement here in Nebraska, and I believe that it's a requirement elsewhere. It's certainly a good idea, a good practice. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was driven by 757. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so we, 20 years ago. We'd go out and audit companies. Then mm-hmm. we would look at. I think they looked at their mod rating and things like that. Right. It was tied to work comp in some way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's it came about cool. as a. It was a work comp reform law, and it was an element of that. Okay. They made a lot of changes in the law, and one of them was, you know, they would set up these safety pro committee requirements and some auditing process that the state would do oh, yeah. uh, in exchange for some other things that, that business wanted, I think, was kind of the oh, trade-off, nice. the business and labor kind of a trade-off, I suppose. Yeah. I yeah, that's, that's cool. Worked. Right. So that led you, to, so you were with consultation, then yeah. went to work for went, for chief? And, yeah, well, I went for, the, yeah, I was at consultation. I did an, I did an audit uh, of a facility at some point, and the human resource director there was was uh, his brother worked for a company called Chief Industries out in Grand Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he kind of made a referral, and they gave me a call, and I interviewed, and they oh, very cool. liked what they heard, I guess. Yeah, yeah, hired absolutely. So I worked there for about seven years, and Chief was a great company and, and still all I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. And that was one of the facilities you put into VPP, as I yeah, recall. Yeah, they had through two divisions that ended mm-hmm. up in VPP. Oh, that's outstanding, yeah. man. I remember. I think I was on one of the audit teams for that. Uh, there was a time when I was with OSHA that I served on the VPP audit groups. Right. I really enjoyed that, man. I mean, if you want to learn, and I know you worked as a special government employee for a yeah, time. Yeah. We can talk about that another time. Oh, that would a, be a great conversation. Good, yeah. But man, there is no better uh, learning environment than going into other facilities and learning from them. I mean, I, I yeah. think we both enjoyed that. I would say that that was probably the best education I ever had. That was better than any seminar that I ever, no would ever go to. And just, I think, yeah, I, I think it'd be well worth an interview with someone to just talk mm. about that alone. Uh, yeah, we should. Yeah. Well, I'll, to, I'll make a note of that, man. We yeah. should do that on, on another another episode. Um, so let's just talk about safety, just the concept of safety. I know uh, this particular podcast is geared toward new safety people. Mm-hmm. Ideally, we're hoping to get them some information. Right. Uh, let's just talk about the concept of safety, man, in okay. an occupational setting. What, what does that mean to you? Well, it's, it's a, that's a really good question. And I, I for, for a new person, I would tell them that it's really important to define that because it's going to set your tone for mm-hmm. everything that you do after that is to have a clear definition of what it is you're trying to do. Agreed, yeah. And so the Safety Council, I believe it's the Safety Council, has a, a definition that says something to the effect of that safety is the control of recognized hazards to an acceptable level of risk. Mm-hmm. And that leaves a little ambiguity in there, which mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, safety is a kind of an ambiguous little subject. It can but, be, absolutely. So, <clears throat> so the, the thing is, is recognizing, you know, what are acceptable levels of risk. Um, there's risk involved in everything. You can't stay home and stay in bed without some amount of getting a bed sore <laughs> right, and that getting right. infected and that killing you, you no know, doubt. so yep. you can die of anything. Yeah. Uh, so so the safety really is defining what are the risk and then what's going to be an acceptable level. Sometimes you can look to the OSHA standard and find what an mm-hmm. acceptable level of, of risk is. They might say something like, well, you have to put a lock on the energy isolation device in order to keep right. it from starting and then that would be acceptable to go inside yes. the machine or they might require whatever that you read the standards that's just a list of acceptable levels yes, of risk is absolutely what those are. that's exactly what that is so you can fall six feet off you know in construction you can fall four feet in general industry right those are two different levels of risk but right. they've just decided that's acceptable right right so basically i mean we have we have hazards in a work environment and again actually those have to be defined what is a ha- what constitutes a hazard something yeah. that can cause harm possibly or yeah. whatever that might be and then we look at that hazard and we try to determine or evaluate uh, a risk component to yeah, that the gravity the, a gravity of if we do have an incident or even a probability of an incident occurring yeah. 
we call that risk assessment. Yeah. And that's a pretty standard uh, technique that we safety folks use. Yeah, I usually separate it. There's two th- elements you look at. And OSHA does this. You just separate it into what's the what's the potential outcome that someone's going to be permanently disabled or killed? Are they going right. to get medical treatment and maybe a temporary disability? Right. It's just a little alley. They need a big hug or something. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. They're going to be better. Mm-hmm. And um, then there, you know, so the then the other component would be what's the likelihood that it'll actually happen? You know, and mm-hmm. I was just having a conversation with the manager today about that, that we have a situation where, you know, with hydraulic hoses, as an example, um, the chances of a hydraulic hose blowing and rupturing in such a way that it's going to uh, project out and hit someone is pretty low. Mm-hmm. But if it does, depending on the, the how much pressure is in that, you could take someone's head off with it. No doubt. So that the, the potential hazard or the effect is really, really high. The chances of it happening are really, really low. So how much control do you need to put on that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and in this particular case, we have a, a cable link that hooks to it. So if mm-hmm. it does blow, it won't whip out and, you know. Man, you know, that's interesting. We we uh, investigated a fatality, exactly that scenario, when I was with OSHA a number oh, wow. of years ago out in western <clears throat> Nebraska. Um, okay. It's not important where, but but that same scenario yeah, where yeah. that pressurized hose was actually being tested uh, blew out of the the fixture mm-hmm. and struck an employee. Um, so fatal, you know, absolutely, it was a fatal fatal wow. incident. Yeah, so no doubt, man. So, so, so yeah, but so, you're right. I mean, but, when you try to cons- you know, calculating probabilities is very subjective. You know, what's right. the likelihood? that this is going to happen or the frequency of exposures right. and those types of and things. And the worse the outcome, I mean, if it's death, then obviously you want the the, the chances of that being as low as you possibly can. You could reduce right. the, the level of pressure, but for a hydraulic hose, you've got to have a certain amount of right. energy there. You mm-hmm. can't reduce that. Right. So the energy has to be there. So you want to reduce the probability side of it. No doubt. So you go after both sides of that equation, I think. Right. But something else to keep in mind is that, uh, that I think a lot of, as I was new, some of the things I tripped over just making this definition – uh, was that that uh, that you have to accept a certain level of risk, and you can do the opposite side of that is you can do anything safely. That uh, you can you can uh, you can jump out of an airplane safely. Mm-hmm. I did it a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago actually mm-hmm. with a buddy of mine. That's You're crazy. Right. Man. So uh, <laughs> so yeah. So you can do anything you want to safely. The the objective is to recognize what are the hazards and what could go wrong, and then you mitigate those hazards. So for parachuting, you have as an example, you have the parachute that could come out right, and you want that to happen and happen well, right? But if it doesn't, you also uh, have a reserve chute that you can deploy. You can separate from that one, and you can uh, uh, let the reserve chute out, and that will bring you down Mm -hmm. to a safe landing. Uh, so a redundancy, a yeah, yeah. Some redundancy. redundancy. Several things have to go wrong for there to be a problem. Mm-hmm. If the chute doesn't come out, you can reach in and grab it and pull it and throw it out. So there's oh, a third geez. way to get that chute out. Well, how do you? If you I, I would be unconscious at that point. Though, how do you? <laughs> well, there's a, that too. So that they thought about that. So that if you if you are unconscious, they're, they're, they can put a, a charge in the thing that has connected to the altimeter, mm-hmm. and that thing will explode and blow it out if you're unconscious. So if you knock yourself out and mm-hmm. you just freak out and faint or whatever that it'll still deploy and you'll come down and maybe land in front of a truck and get run so, over, but you didn't die from So this is, it's relatively safe, this parachuting thing. <laughs> no, you know, it's a, there's a risk. There's a sure. certain amount of risk and you decide you... It's a, an ex, you but you accept reduce, a you, level of risk. You decide you're going to accept a certain level of risk yeah. and you go for it. And, and as yeah. you said, uh, and I've talked about this with folks before, we are doing risk assessment constantly yep. throughout the day. Yeah. Whether you're in the workplace or you're you're not, you're on your own personal time. Yeah. Every time you cross the street, every time you drive your vehicle, you are doing risk assessments continuously. Right. Sometimes b- some people better than others, certainly. Exactly. But 
Are you going to make your kid buckle up? Or yeah. You, gonna, you know, what are the risks that you're willing to take? If you think about, if you just think about risk in general, uh, if you you're going to, if I told you I, I would offer you a job. And I'm going to catapult you about 70 miles an hour down this lane. And there's going to be another fella coming back dead at you from the other way going 70. So the closing speed is 140 miles an hour between the two of you. And you're going to pass safely with, within two or three feet of each other. And you're going to be fine. Uh, but you're not going to have any control over the other fella. He might mm -hmm. be like eating a hamburger, talking on a cell phone, mm -hmm. drunk. You don't know what's coming at you mm -hmm. from that direction. And uh, and so this is what we're going to set you up with. And you're going to have a seatbelt if you want to wear it. You can do that if you'd like. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's some airbags there that you can bump into if you do hit this guy coming at you, you know. So would you sign up for that job? And the answer is, eh, I, I'd want a lot of pay for that job. You'd have right. to pay me a lot to do that job. Mm -hmm. But I'll hop in my car and do it any time. So, mm -hmm. you you know, there's 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 risk associated with everything we do. And, and the idea is to recognize it, recognize how serious it is and to, put whatever precautions you can between you and that inevitability. Yeah, you know? that's interesting, man. Yeah, and, and you mentioned this earlier, OSHA, the OSHA regulations, and and we will spend time talking about those. Uh, the regulations establish for us a maximum level of risk that we are allowed to take in an occupational setting. Right. They basically say you can jump around all you want at 3 feet 11 inches, but when you hit 4 feet, you need to have fall protection in an industrial setting. Right. Uh, same is true for construction. They have their own set of regulations, of course, but OSHA has done that for us. They've established, and they have also identified hazards for us. I mean, the regulations uh, basically establish what is considered hazardous. Yeah, how much silicate can you breathe? Exactly, much, to, yeah. a, to a large extent. So the hazard recognition portion and the amount of risk, acceptable risk portion have been established through regulation for most situations, yeah. you know, not all, but most. But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of things, like the hydraulic hoses as an example. There's not a lot you can refer to with OSHA for that. You know? Right. And so you look to industry standards, and there's a lot of other places you can go to dig up some, you right. know, what acceptable levels of risk might you decide or are appropriate for you and your company. Mm -hmm. That's and, true. Uh, another thing that trips me up, has tripped me up oftentimes, and I have to um, straighten people out on it, uh, is is the idea, the separation between what is what is safety and what is liability. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times no, they seem like true. the same thing a lot of times mm -hmm. and people get concerned with the liability uh, side side of that equation. Mm -hmm. But if you get focused on what liability risks there are and controlling those and thinking that you're controlling safety, you're really not. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example of that, but I run into it a lot where people are worried that they don't want to do something. They don't want to do inspections or they don't want to do certain things because they're afraid it's going to open up some liability. Absolutely. You know, so just be aware that liability is a separate issue. Mm -hmm. And it'd uh, be another good, another good maybe topic for a future one would be like workers' compensation and how does that work and what is the real liability? Mm -hmm. Because the workers' comp takes care of a lot of the liability for the employer. Uh, and I think a lot of times supervisors and managers think, Oh well, you know I have to be also careful about you know the that we're going to end up having to pay for an injury if it happens, but the truth of the matter is you're going to have to pay for it no matter what if right. you make a mistake or if you don't make right. a mistake unless you're just egregious and you like push somebody off an edge or something. Sure. Then that's know, a, so. that is really an excellent point, man. I think we should talk about that more at some point. I I think that's an interesting distinction yeah. between uh, identifying an, uh, safety issues and this liability concern that seems to permeate what we do right, right. Uh, and depending on what side of the the business you work on liability may be the bigger issue for you than the safety side of it unfortunately it often, could you know, be yeah, it seems like. yeah if you 
I get that question a lot. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, one thing, one thing I want to talk about with you, give you plenty of time to talk about, is uh, safety committees. Okay. So when we first dis- discussed having this conversation, uh, one of the things that I'm always interested in is hearing what people do well and how they can share that information. Um, I think I've said before that safety people are incredibly generous with mm-hmm. their knowledge, experience, time, information. Uh, it doesn't seem to be something that is um, held too close to the vest. You know, I mean, we all we all like to exchange information and share that information. And I know that you have talked about your safety committee in the past, the, right. the one that you have at Airlight Plastics yes. now. Right. Um, and I know you've also mentioned to me that you haven't always had great safety committees. <laughs> that hasn't always been the experience. So, in fact, I don't. I, I I don't have much good experience with safety committees other than what we've been able to achieve at Airlight. That right. Usually, a lot more gets said than done. It seems well, like people get around and they talk about all the things that are wrong. And then they schedule the next meeting. Right. And that's pretty much all that and, happens. And that's mandatory according yeah. to LB 757. Exactly. We have to have a safety committee, so that's what happens. Yeah, so everybody shows up and suffers through it or come up with right. reasons not to show up. And Well, so what do you do differently at Airlight that has worked? So I took the, an idea. Actually, I took it from Frito-Lay, actually, when we did an audit with Frito-Lay when I was in VPP, mm-hmm. actually. I picked this up from, from – well, I was actually – we didn't audit the, them, but one of the auditors there was from Frito-Lay, and so I he know. talked about it. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so they – they assigned responsibility to the safety committee to accomplish things was the upshot of it. And what we ended up doing at Airlight is we have safety. One of the elements in VPP is tracking safety improvements through to correction. So you track right. it all the way through and they have to right. have a process for that. And that's a pretty arduous process to manage sometimes. And so uh, we put together this process for tracking safety improvements through to correction and assign that to the safety committee, that they get to identify, they go out and do inspections, first of all. Our safety committee does inspections of their areas, and they have very specific areas that they inspect and checklists that they go through. And if there's anything that needs to improve, the safety committee person can add that improvement. And when I say improvement, I mean fix something back to the way it ought to be, for example. That mm-hmm. would be an improvement mm-hmm. that the guard's off. You put the guard back on, that's an improvement. So any safety concern or things that a best practice they come up with or anything that they think would improve safety, they can open a safety improvement status tracking for that, okay. which is what we call it, or SISTs. Okay. And so once a month at the safety committee meetings, we review uh, any open or active SISTs and the manager uh, gets assigned. There's a manager that gets assigned. There's the owner that's assigned. And that's the person that's most closely related to uh, the hazard that they would know that this thing has been fixed and it's been fixed properly. Uh, and the person that brought it up gets put on there as well. And then we track it, and we have safety committee meetings. The managers have to come to the safety committee meeting. Oh, to, they do? Yeah. If they, they have an open item. If they have an open item. If they have an active item, they're invited to the safety committee okay. meeting, and they have to tell us what the status of it is, what's the current status, what's next, what are they going to do next, mm-hmm. and then by when will they do that. Okay. So And, and so the safety committee member who is driving this particular item is holding this manager accountable for right, and it'll oh, go all that. the way up to the owner of the company, and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen often. But if there's something that's pushback or whatever, mm-hmm. and it'll it'll migrate its way up until an executive decision is made. But but rarely does that happen. Typically, they just take care of it because it is a good idea and it needs to be done, and and they okay. do it. Yeah. So this is their tasking: mm-hmm. tracking uh, corrective actions, basically identifying problems or mm-hmm. hazards, mm-hmm. Or improvements, possible improvements. Yeah. yeah. Better, best practices. That's the other side of the same coin, not yeah. just minimums yeah. necessarily. And then tracking them to correction, right? which as you said, that, that, that can be an arduous task and it can get kind of get lost in, 
Oh yeah. In the business uh, of uh, getting widgets out sometimes. Across the silos or things like that, that, you know, there's a three directors have to come together to really make some decisions about this. And director one has to do something first before director two can do his. And then, and so you have to coordinate all of that. And then he has to get his people to do something maybe. And, you know, so there can be all kinds of things that can derail it. We've had situations where, uh, a safety committee person brings something up. We had a ladder that had an attachment on it that if you grab that attachment as you went up the ladder, it would come loose and you could fall off the ladder. Ooh, yeah. And there were three of them, and they they asked that those be fixed. And so maintenance came out, found the one, took it off, fixed it, uh, and then closed out their work order. Mm-hmm. So the next month it came up at the safety committee meeting, yeah, we fixed that, it's done, we, we can close it. But the owner goes, well, he did fix the one, but there's two others. And we go, oh, my gosh, there are. So we went out and looked. Yeah, there's two others. And so we didn't allow it to close until the person that's most closely related to it okays it so that we don't make mistakes like that. Right. And so it's, yeah. Well, it's good that you caught. So let me ask you, so let's get down to details here. So just describe your committee. How many employees? How many managers? What's it look like? So we have safety committees at each of our divisions and at the injection unit uh, division where where we're mostly talking about, so a larger division. Okay. uh, There's three safety committees. There's one for each shift. Actually, there's four. There's one for the office, so they have their own. Uh, but each of the three shifts is is essentially managed by the shift manager. Okay. Uh, but they have representatives from each of the uh, the work units, and we have ten of those. So there's ten safety. Com- well, they actually have two members from each each work unit. So there's as many as twenty people that are, are associated with the safety committee, but only okay. one of those two actually have to go. So I'm getting complicated here. The upshot is all three, three. But you have all of your shifts represented. All the shifts are represented. And all departments. And all departments are represented. Okay. So by, uh, by an hourly type. Yes, by hourly. And then we also, the managers have to come that have the open SISTs. And we also have, uh, we have the directors. We have a different, we have a scorecard. This is kind of interesting. So we have a scorecard that include, that I publish once a month. Uh, that's a scorecard for the vice president of that division. Mm-hmm. And he uh, gets a score. The the objective is 95%. Mm-hmm. And the things that, that drive that score are, did you have a safety committee meeting this month? Did you have at least three safety improvements opened? Did you, at least three of those uh, closed? So you found three things mm-hmm. to improve and you closed three things each month. Uh, what else is there? There's some bonus points that you can get for uh, training managers above and beyond mm-hmm. the basic training. Uh, but there's uh, there's also bonus points that you can get for executive and top leadership engagement. And so uh, if a top leader comes to the safety committee meeting or they do an inspection, things like that, then the safety uh, committee gets those points, and then that's reflected on the vice president's scorecard. And that scorecard leads to bonuses or, yeah, they, they, or it, just it's a just performance His appraisal. performance is how I are you doing? You. And so his overall performance is okay. – is, is, and then he obviously is looking to his staff to make sure that they are – are driving those points. And if the score's going down, he's asking why. Why didn't you have a safety committee meeting? Why aren't you closing these these, uh, active Mm -hmm. safety items or whatever it is? Um, So so because of that, because they earn those points and, and the executives then can help the safety committee achieve the points that they need in order for the vice president to get that 95 percent score mm-hmm. they show up for the safety committee meeting so it's 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 not oh, nice yeah so we we usually have at least five or six executive level uh people wow. in, executive and director level people at the safety committee meetings and they're they're observers primarily they're primarily not primarily observers but they also take note if there's an open safety improvement tracking that's mm-hmm. getting that's getting stale it's gotcha. been there for a while right then they might start asking the manager you know what's the status of this can you push this along oh, we're holding you up and 
And so, yeah. And so, then, so how is the meeting facilitated? Is there one person assigned to lead the meetings mm-hmm. or prepare an agenda for the meeting? Or it's a good question. So we have we have uh, safety uh, leaders, is what I call them, and each shift has their own. And typically, they're a, they're a uh, just a, a, an employee. Uh, what I ask for is someone that they recognize as somebody that might become a good future supervisor oh, or yeah. manager. Oh, so yeah, this is yeah. a good opportunity to train them to to hold meetings, to track things through to correction, to. Uh, to understand, you know, to the, just the dynamics of all of those things, keeping track of things, organizing yourself, organizing meetings, and all of the skills wow. you need to be a good manager, you can illustrate those and practice those at the safety committee oh, level. Oh, that's fantastic. I so we have that. leaders that are in charge of the safety committee, and it's usually an employee level. Sometimes they're a lead person, occasionally they're a supervisor, but it, it never goes any higher than supervisor okay. that, that run the different safety oh, committees. Oh, that's a good, that's, that's yeah. taking advantage of a good opportunity to yeah. give these folks some, some practice in some, yeah, orchestrating this chaos yeah it's a, i like that yeah it's a good way to to identify who your managers are going to be and so you are meeting once a month mm-hmm. and you have some type of a computer-based system for tracking these items i'm assuming that- actually yeah it's pretty simple it's a sharepoint thing and some of you that it's a microsoft product mm-hmm. that uh that's just a web-based thing okay and you can build your own database essentially and so we just built it on that uh it used to be an excel spreadsheet and uh that Very gets kind cool. of yeah that gets kind of so dicey, but. so you know, um, I've seen a number of safety committees. I've mm-hmm. participated in some as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a safety committee at OSHA, right? Which uh, was completely ineffective, you know. But uh, <laughs> we had one. Um, but as you said, most of them have limited value, in my opinion, right? Or at least they're not getting all, you know the value out of them that they could, right? And I think in part because of what you said is sometimes they're they're charged with such a broad undefined uh, scope of duties or responsibilities that nothing ever gets done and no one is ultimately accountable. You know, we've got a committee. I mean, and just like any other group or committee things, if, if one person or a, a, you know, a specific, you know, leader isn't established, they just kind of go by the wayside, man. And that's what I see with most safety committees. The scope is too broad. You know, the, the, the actions are not specifically identified and, Man, it just, you know, they just, they get together every month and they just basically rehash the same old stuff over and over and nothing happens. And that's disappointing, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, as long as they have an assignment like that, I think another thing that really helps and it helps manage in a lot of ways is creating a scorecard, Mm -hmm. you know, so that, that they appear, the safety committee is supposed to, the safety leader is supposed to have a safety meetings once a month. And so he has to have that, and that appears on the scorecard for the mm-hmm. vice president. Mm-hmm. And he has to do so many inspections a month. And so they have 10 areas, 12 areas that they have to inspect. And someone has to do all of those inspections. And it can't be the same person doing them all. Mm-hmm. We, that, you know, we, we had that for a while. And right. we said, no, 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 we can do, you can do two, maybe three, but then uh, we just suffer. They're not getting inspected because right. we want lots of people doing these inspections and looking and mm-hmm. not all of it falling to one person. No doubt. So my boss, though, initially when I got hired, I'll, I'll say this too, and this would be good for, you know, that – we took on the philosophy that um, that uh, I didn't want to create a safety staff. I think that we're large enough at Airlight that we probably could have a staff of one or two people maybe mm-hmm. uh, or more if we really wanted. Uh, but we'll, one of the things that I think is most important with safety is for it to be owned at the, uh, at the level at which the safety concern arises. And so if you have a big safety department, sometimes I think in any department, as things just get thrown over the wall to safety, well, they need safety needs to do this, safety needs to do that, safety needs to do this and mm-hmm. that, whatever it is. 
when in reality it's much more effective and better if the department that has the concern addresses and maintains that concern. Wow. Yeah, right. man, that's that's very so, astute. I would yeah. agree. I would agree. I've seen, and, and that's a very unusual for a safety guy to say, I don't want a staff. Of, right. You know, most safety people are clamoring for more support. Right. And, and they believe that to be in the form of assistance. Right. You know, or a bigger safety department. And um, that doesn't necessarily equate to more effective. Um, you know, as a VPP guy, you know that safety and health management, um, you know, there are five basic pillars of safety and health management systems and right. employee involvement being one of those five. And I think a safety committee is a, is as good a way to involve your employees as there is available. I think it is. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, you can call it a safety committee. And I think people think that you have to have Robert's rules of order and all of that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, just right. you suddenly bog yourself down with a lot of rules about your committee or whatever. Minutes, meeting, yeah, minutes, meeting, meeting minutes, you know, old business, new business. I never could shit. figure that out. You know, yeah. everything's old business to me, but, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, is, 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 uh, is getting employees involved and having them own it. And, you know, one of the things at Airlight we have, too is the safety committee all wear they wear a different color we have to wear smocks mm-hmm. uh just a food handling uh mm-hmm. situation so we decided to have green smocks for the safety committee so they're easily identifiable oh, i like that yeah so uh have help and they stand out and people typically are proud of you know having that extra responsibility mm-hmm. and and the other thing that that really kind of takes fire we do have a wait oftentimes we've had waiting lists for the safety committee you're kidding me B- because yeah because they the safety committee accomplishes things they end mm-hmm. up because they're tracking things through to correction and because they have the top level uh, engagement so, in those meetings yeah. then the safety committee has a reputation of you bring it up to the safety committee and if it's a safety concern we can make something happen mm-hmm. you know and sometimes it's slow you just you know you're slowly just moving well, this thing ahead because there's a lot of moving parts and, and things like that yeah so sometimes it takes time it's just a management thing you got to get people coordinated and whatever it's got to happen over all three shifts and so it it requires mm-hmm. some work and effort but once a safety improvement tracking gets opened it doesn't close until the person that uh, that owns it is satisfied. Okay. Uh, and I would I would actually uh, add this proviso, um, if that's a word. Is that a word? Uh, it is to me. Uh, we'll use it today. Yeah. So uh, uh, so is that um, um, not everything that gets open? We have to. The resolution doesn't have to be that we're going to do it. That we could make a decision not to do it as long mm-hmm. as it's not an OSHA standard. OSHA right. we've said is the minimum right. that we have to at a very minimum meet the OSHA standard. And so, and that would be something for the for the uh, I think a new person coming into safety as to as as if you don't have a good safety program and you look at that OSHA standard as though that's the pinnacle of safety, mm-hmm. that's okay. But keep it in the back of your mind that really you want that to become the foundation. You want that to be the absolute minimum. That Absolutely, you're gonna, no that doubt. You can add to the top of that, right? And you can get there. It's not impossible. I think it's people getting used to things like locking out or getting used to making sure a guard's on, making sure maintenance understands that, mm-hmm. you know, how to recognize if there's a spinning part that could wrap you up in it, that you got to put something mm-hmm. over it and, you know, whatever you know, the that, hazards are. That is really interesting comment because I think that is part of the evolution of safety. Your safety mindset is that, you know, the achieving this uh, level of compliance is the end all. Right. You know, which... In fact, it's the minimum. I mean, it's the minimum required by law. Right. And it doesn't always guarantee a safe work environment. And so I think it's incumbent upon us then to identify where we need to go above and beyond those regulations. Sometimes the regulation, you know, achieving compliance is adequate. Yeah. Provides an adequate amount of safety based on our risk assessment. And sometimes 
Uh, it doesn't, yeah, and we so have much. to distinguish those things and uh, address them. I guess kind of on yeah, a, go above and beyond, go do mm-hmm. best practices, right? Exactly. So the best practices, I think, if I didn't say it already, the, what I was getting at though is the best practices mm-hmm. are optional, and if the manager doesn't want to do it uh, because he doesn't have the resources, he doesn't have mm-hmm. the time, this is a great idea. But you don't have to do every great idea. Right. Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean you have to do it. And uh, you right. can create a parking lot if you want and put those things in the parking lot and visit it later. And, mm-hmm. and uh, But make sure you're meeting those minimums and that, that you're trying to correct. And each shift for us has to correct, has to improve three things a month. That's not an overwhelming task. And we that could include getting, anything that's identified on that yeah, inspection. That's the minimum uh, that we expect. That's it's really find three good, things man. that you're going to fix that month and fix them. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got a, a much larger list than that. In fact, some of our managers probably will listen to this podcast and go, oh, we have to do three? <laughs> <laughs> right, all of a sudden, I'm off the hook. Yeah. yeah. yeah how no, many of those can I say no well, to? Well, we'll make sure they don't get the link, man. Yeah. But. So let me go back to how did you get people to – how did you originally get people on the committee? That's a really good question. And I have to give – I don't know if I should use her name or not, but there's a young lady named Abby. She'll know who she is. Mm-hmm. And Abby – well, the, go a step further back. Because I had this concept for the safety committee that I wanted to try to create. And I talked to uh, the plant manager at the time. His name was Roger. Roger Wesley. I'll say Roger's name. I'll mm-hmm. say all their names. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Yeah, they so deserve Ro- the credit. Yeah, yeah. So Roger and I talked. And I said I, wa- I showed him what I wanted to create. And he, he thought it was a really good idea. And so – uh, uh, he and I decided that we ought to have at least one person as a safety committee leader that mm-hmm. would take it and run with it. First, second, or third shift, I didn't care. All three of it would be good, but I needed one really, really mm-hmm. good person that would take this thing and just take off with it. And he's, and without blinking, he said, a uh, young lady named Abby Cheerney. So Abby uh, took this thing and no kidding. she ran with it. Oh, yeah. She, she and I mean, well, to you point just lost that her like, to some higher bidder, man. <laughs> I, she took off with it, and everybody at at, uh, at Airlight knows Abby, and mm-hmm. she's just this go getter, and she oh, gets things you. done. And yeah, so so we put Abby on the committee, and she took it and ran with it. And wow. we set up the scorecard was the other mm-hmm. thing we did at that point. Initially, initially we set up the scorecard right out of right. that, and so you have to do these minimum things, and and the score at that point, the objective was to get to eighty, I believe. Okay, and we've upped that to eight to okay. ninety five now. Uh, but to get to 80, and that seemed like an insurmountable goal when they, you know, oh my gosh, because they started off at like negative four or sure, something. Sure, of course you know? they did, right. <laughs> Well, so and, before I forget this, man, um, at the end of this, and, and so your contact information is going to be posted on the website right. right next to this episode link. If people are interested maybe in seeing a copy of this scorecard, can they... Yeah, can we yeah. post it on the website, or could you send it to them if they were interested? I, well, I think that definitely would really, send it to them. As that would far really as posting it. Yeah, out. we don't have to. Yeah, I'll that's talk not to my necessary. Boss about it, we don't have to go down that road necessarily. But well, it might not be a big deal. But I'll, it, I'll ask. It would be really interesting, I think, to yeah. people to even have a look at what you guys score. I mean, everybody's going to score their own. Yeah, you come up with your own list stuff, of things that you. But want. I, I love that idea finding, and I'll be honest with you. Almost every company that I work with has an Abby on staff, right. if they will just. You know, acknowledge that and, and involve them. Right. Um, I think that's a great way to start. That's so we, we set this thing up, though, and so and so Abby took off and ran with it. And all of the scores started really low because we just hadn't done any of these. I mean, we mm-hmm. had a safety committee, but it wasn't working well. We had a lot of things that weren't working well. And mm-hmm. so we set up these things, and, and we're trying to get them going. And, and then we set up the scorecard. We set the safety committee, put them responsible for it. And then turn them loose in each of the shifts. And so Abby took off with it, and the score started rising slowly. And I would publish it once a month. And and at first, they all were about even. And then the first shift, she happened to be on first shift. So that score started. And then so you're able to look back at the other shifts and say, well, what's going on here? I can, I mean, what can I do to help you get this thing going? And they, well, I don't know. We can't, you know. 
they, they would have their excuses, but at the end of the day, it can be done because they're doing it on first. Mm-hmm. And so you can point back to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so they would maybe pull the, the leader that they put in there that really wasn't a good leader. This was just somebody they just gave it to because they were asleep in the meeting or something. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so they pull that person out and then would put someone in there that they thought would run with it. And so they would find their leader and each of them ended up finding their little leaders that would, would take these mm-hmm. things and run with them. And so all of their scores started slowly rising and, and on par now second shift has the highest oh, very good. score. Yeah. And, and so, so they just so took there's some a little bit of, of healthy competition, a little bit of healthy competition, yeah. Extent. And at least, if you don't want to look at it as competition, at least it's something you can point to as the this is this is where we can go. Let's let's try to get there. What do we mm-hmm. what do we need to do here in order to achieve that over there? Right. You know. And so, oh well, you need maybe a better leader. Maybe we need you know. Um, who knows, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you need, you try to do that and help them get that score up. And it's, yeah. it's about being a helpful. You know, here's the gap between where you are and where we want to be. How right. can I help you fill that gap? And right. That's what it ends up so, being that conversation. And have you had any thoughts about expanding the the uh, role of your safety committee, or just you're so thrilled with what they are doing now that you just don't want to tamper with it? Yeah, that's probably a little bit of. The, I'm a little bit afraid to add too much. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, you don't know what the elastic limit is on. Oh, right, absolutely, sure. And, but there and, is a limit, of course. Yeah, there is a limit. There's a limit in, in time and resources, and mm-hmm. you know, we're we're in the business of putting out a product and those right. kind of things. But right. but yeah, I've thought about uh, adding it or changing it. There, if I were to change something about it, sometimes the the um, the tracking things through the correction, if the manager's not on it. Sometimes they they might get embarrassed or something that their thing isn't corrected mm-hmm. or whatever, and and I don't want to be in the business of embarrassing people or sure. painting people in the corner or gotcha. Right. And it can feel like that sometimes, and yeah. so I'm I'm looking at that, trying to see what I can do to to maybe improve that somehow. Interesting. I'm not sure, but yeah, but I'm sure there's yeah. a way to do it better. That's interesting, um, and that's another conversation, man. I'm writing all these things down as they, <laughs> as they come up. Well, there will be future episodes, but. I, I would agree. My personal preference of mm-hmm. the uh, an approach to safety is not embarrassment. Right. You know, you don't want to humiliate people for having, as you said, either outstanding deficiencies or for having, you know, missed something inadvertently, whatever the case might be. Yeah. You know, those unintentional type things, or maybe there, you know, maybe there are obstacles to them getting those things completed and off the list, whatever, the, you know. Right. They have their own challenges. They have their own issues, right. certainly, to deal with. I think the idea is to, what, what are their challenges and what can you do to help? I yeah. think, you know, one of the places that you could look to, too, is if you're in manufacturing, well, they need industry is lean manufacturing or the lean concepts. Mm-hmm. And they talk a lot about, you just set a goal, what is the current state and where do you want to be? And between those two is the gap. And then you work with a person to fill in the gap. And then once they've gotten to where you want to be, that becomes the current state. Mm-hmm. And then you create another gap by saying, I'd like to be a little further down the road. How do mm-hmm. I get there? And you just slowly. But I think the objective is to meet people where they are, not where they ought to be. You know? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and be sympathetic about it because you could be there. There's, uh, you know, most people have good hearts and they have good intentions and they want to be in a uh, better spot than they are. Mm-hmm. I do and you do. And and so is mm-hmm. uh, to pitch in and try to try to take on the idea that you're going to help people that way yeah no doubt but I, i'm just thoroughly impressed that you have a waiting list to be on the safety committee it's not there anymore <laughs> but there it's was just, a time and it happened i go whoa there's a waiting list yeah absolutely so, that yeah. is a real testament to as you said the fact that they're accomplishing something right. nobody wants to be on a group that doesn't accomplish anything right and i see that regularly I, like i said i participate in safety committees some of my clients will and and 
it is difficult sometimes. Not everyone wants to be there, and that certainly is a, a, a recipe for disaster, right. you know. And um, it, it's a burden to have to be on the committee. Uh, you know, I see people, they assign people under the committee, and that's rarely a good idea. Yeah. You know. So I'll tell you, I'll come back to Frito-Lay, and I, and I, I can't probably express how they did it really well, but it, as I recall, one of the things they did, they were, Frito-Lay's huge, but their little shop mm-hmm. was pretty small i think and right and so what they did there was they assigned each committee member one guy was the lockout guy and one guy was the hascom guy mm-hmm. and one lady was the right. whatever the housekeeping person or whatever the so they had were. a program that they were responsible for yeah they had a program they were responsible for and if if you had a question about lockout you would go to the lockout girl or mm-hmm. you'd go to the lockout guy or whatever and uh, mm-hmm. and ta- or hascom if you needed labels or those right. kinds of things so they would stay apprised of the standard and they would do all the training necessary for that. So when they set up the orientation, you know, the lockout person would come in and do their lockout presentation. Mm-hmm. And the, the Hascom person would come in to do theirs or the machine guarding person would come I in. I know exactly theirs. who you're talking the, Yeah, as you know, They were a VPP site out right. in Gothenburg, the yeah. Frito-Lay out yeah. in Gothenburg. And uh, Barb Larson is the gal you're referring to. Right. At least the one, she was an SGE as well. Right. And that always impressed me. It's not a huge operation, but from the plant manager on down, everyone was assigned at least one program to manage. Right. So everybody in that facility was involved basically at the same level. They were all held accountable. But as you said, they would be responsible for the annual reviews of those programs, for the training to make sure that was being accomplished. Yeah. Any updates, you know, any regulatory changes that OSHA was pushing through, yeah. they would be responsible for. And man, what what I'm not sure that's doable in every facility, but yes, I think in the smaller facilities that would be the way to do it. I would absolutely think. In a larger facility would be kind of hard. Yeah, because... but you could uh, you could assign it to committee persons, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I was always. Um, I have seen companies that have committed their safety committee to training, mm-hmm. and so the safety committee would be resp- you know they would put together an annual training uh, agenda. You know they've got a list every month they're covering a different topic or two. And then the safety committee would be responsible for preparing that training, administering the training, perhaps reviewing those programs, you know, that respective month, mm-hmm. just to make sure the program was up to date. It seemed like a reasonable thing to do, but um, but I do think the tracking the corrective actions is where it's at, man. Yeah, I, I mean, like that. I think that fits really well with the safety committee. They're out there. They mm-hmm. see those things. They can see the benefit of it. They can see, oh, this thing got fixed. I brought it up right. and look at that. It's fixed. Right. You know, uh, yeah. it's better. And uh, and the other thing for me is that not everything can come through me uh, because if it has to, we, we have hundreds of, we have, I think we're close to about a thousand things that we've improved since the safety committee started. Wow. Uh, and so, and those are things that were literally tracked all the way through to correction and correction not being that they put the guard back on but they fixed whatever it was that caused the guard to come off in the mm-hmm. first place type thing so mm-hmm. they for full rev- resolution uh some of those we open back up but nonetheless so we've tracked all of those things and if all of those things had to come through me we do about 200 of them a year or so mm-hmm. and uh 200 improvements a year and if those had to come through me i might be able to track maybe if i really honed in on it 20 of them a year right. by myself right yeah no so doubt. a lot of things get opened and closed i never even know have about no involvement have none at all well and, that is ideal yeah. truthfully yeah so that's the that's I agree. really really the way to to make a lot of things happen a lot of improvements to happen and that's good you know um so yeah i hope that that is really good advice man i i hope um everybody hones in on that and uh because 
I think uh, your safety committee is your best friend if you're a safety right. professional, you know. Well, one other thing I would say about the safety committee is that we, a recent change is that, that the safety leaders, they really kind of like that job once they've gotten it. And so we had to put a time limit on it. Abby was totally, I mean, she would run the thing and she mm-hmm. ran it well, but I decided to make a level. So we have uh, safety leaders and we have safety coaches. So once you've been a safety leader for two years, for the first year, you can opt out and become a coach or you can stay on another year and you can be for two, but you can only do two years as the leader. And then you're off and you have to be the, you don't have to be, but you can become the safety coach, which means you still are on, you can, you're invited to the meetings, you're invited to participate. The the new safety leader is going to turn to you a lot in order to get their feet wet and to get Mm -hmm. things going the way they want to do it uh, and, uh, um, and get themselves set up. And then you become kind of the resident expert, uh, for Mm. safety issues. Mm -hmm. If people are more comfortable going to you to talk to you about it, then people have other choices. They don't have to come and talk to me about it. They can talk to Abby or they can talk to Steven or they can talk to, you know, Trung or whoever the safety leader is. Okay. So just for my own clarification, there is a safety leader on each shift. Mm-hmm. So there are three safety leaders. Correct. And they are there and they each is assigned to their shift safety committee. Correct. Okay. And then those right. leaders, uh, they schedule the meeting. Uh, they keep okay. track of the safety improvement trackings on their shift. Oh, okay. They send out an email to the managers who have open items and say, Hey, come to our meeting. You've got some open items you need to. Yeah. So, how, oh, that's it. so how much time would you estimate that a safety leader devotes per month to if, managing this? I'd say a couple hours. The safety committee meeting itself is 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, and it's oh, at the nice. end, of, end of their shift. Uh, and they probably spend maybe a half hour a week. Oh, okay. Uh, pulling yeah. things together, sending notes out. So not out. too much? No, not too much. Not it's overly not a burden. burdensome. Yeah, yeah we, cool. we try not to make it anything more than they could do in their, right. you know, as they're going from here to there, pick up an inspection or right. talk to the people that are, you know, that are doing their inspections. And yeah. so maybe, you know, when they're getting ready for the safety committee, they have to also send me their data on how many inspections they did and those kinds of things. Okay. And so they probably spend 30, 40 minutes doing that perhaps. Mm-hmm. So maybe on those weeks they do an hour and a half or something. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. not bad. No, it's not. A, not and these are people that you have found are going to go above and beyond anyway. Right. Well, it's right? the shift I mean, manager. The shift manager owns the safety committee, essentially. Okay. And I, I look to them. I say, we need to get a new leader, those kind of things. I work through them. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, because I want them to have ownership of the effectiveness of that safety committee. Yeah. It's, they are basically, and the way I present it to the shift managers, if they were, if you were a new shift manager, I would say this is your safety committee, and they're kind of your eyes and ears out there for mm-hmm. safety issues. And they're gonna, mm-hmm. they got your back on that, but make sure they're trained, make sure they have their meetings, make sure they're doing their inspections, they're tracking things through to correct and I'm here to help with that and you'll see the scorecard and I'll tell them all about the scorecard but but it's basically the shift manager okay it's his team that's making sure safety's watched like he has a quality team he has you know his his shift super all of the supervisor or, or his production team and they're responsible right. for safety too but the safety committees are out there to make sure they're not missing anything safety okay. wise oh that so, makes sense yeah, yeah. Thanks. That makes sense. Yeah. That's interesting, man. I, I love it when it works. <laughs> I love it when it works. I've yeah. seen enough that don't. Yeah. Um, you want to sh- shift gears here for a minute? Sure. Um, we, you know, we, we talked about the fact that you have a lot of, uh, like it or not, you've had a lot of involvement with OSHA, mm-hmm. uh, on, on the, you know, the best of the best. I know you've had compliance inspections, certainly in some capacity, the, the companies that you have worked with. Uh, one of the things that I am asked to talk about a lot is, you know, how to prepare for an OSHA inspection, mm-hmm. you know, how to, to, how, I mean, I think it's. It is uh, critical that every company, whether you have one or not, be prepared for an OSHA inspection. Mm-hmm. As a former OSHA inspector, I know that 
companies that are not prepared um, typically spin into some <laughs> just some chaotic frenzy when the OSHA guy shows up, you All know. Right. And so um, let's talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, let's talk sure. a little bit about just the kind of things that you do uh, to be prepared for uh, such an event. And and again, it's not inevitable, but just basic things that you put in place. Yeah. I mean, so it'd be the things we mentioned in the safety committee. It'd be tracking, you know, you want to have safety improvement track. You want to make sure you get the OSHA standard, mm-hmm. what applies to you and make sure you're meeting those no standards, obviously. And, right. and uh, you want to do inspections and make sure that you're inspecting and, and that things are the way they're supposed to be. Um, and you want to just have a reasonably diligent safety program that mm-hmm. you are, are diligent about identifying and correcting safety concerns right. before they result in an injury. And no, so no doubt. Yeah. You have some system in place that does that, I think, as a minimum mm-hmm. to be ready. And then um, that we, we have a policy about, you know, what to do when any government agency shows okay. up. What do you do? And it could so be it environmental. Worst, it could yeah, be anybody. It doesn't matter. The yep. police with a warrant, whatever. Sure. Um, so, um, that, that when they, when they show up, the receptionist is going to be the one that greets them. And so she has her protocol and she knows she has a list of who she's going to call. Okay. And if it's OSHA, I'm on that list. If it's EPA, I'm on that list. If it's, you know, it's a health department. Hopefully it's the police. You're not on the list. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not on that list. No. Right. uh, So, um, anyway, um, so, but she initiates it. She initiates. She gets the ball rolling. So right. she'll make the phone calls to those individuals. OSHA's here. Very good. And what she, do you do with the OSHA guy or gal while while this is all transpiring? They're in the lobby you waiting. Put yeah. them. In, well, you have a yeah. You have a lobby where they right. can just sit and wait. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they they. So I get the alert, and depending on where I'm at and what I'm doing, if I'm out of state or whatever, then I'll make some phone calls. Mm-hmm. But but the ball will start rolling, and we we all there's a group group of us that would huddle up briefly before we met with OSHA. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what do we know about why they're here? Oh, she gives them a form to fill out that just indicates what are you doing here, and why, oh, okay. what are you looking for. That That's kind of, a standardized. Yeah, and so we would look form. at that. Why are they here, and what are they looking for? And and we would huddle up and just basically talk briefly about how to manage an OSHA inspection. Mm-hmm. And the things that I tell them are that, you know, just remember the guy's law enforcement. Uh, so anything we say can and will be used against us. But mm-hmm. he's a guest and and treat mm-hmm. him like a guest. Be friendly. Uh, right. You know, one of the things, and I don't know if we want to, if this is a trade secret or not, but I'll go ahead and throw it out there, is, is that the more time you spend in the opening conference, the less time you're going to spend out on the production mm-hmm. floor. So no, there's, that's reasonable. Yeah. So just I mean. know that in this open, and I, I explained to him the, Opening conference, the walkthrough, and the, the closing conference, and that you know we want to mm-hmm. stay in the opening conference as long as we can, and, and um, so we'll entertain whatever sports conversations they sure. want to have in yeah. that, or, and going through looking at yeah. credentials and all of those things that, yep. that things that you should do. Meanwhile, I send someone out to make sure that moves out ahead of us the where the audit's going to be if we know where he's going mm-hmm. and what he's looking for. Uh, to make sure there's no surprises. But right. one of the things that I emphasize, and we do a training on this as well, I emphasize we're not going to go create new programs because right. OSHA's here. If we didn't do it before they got here, too bad for right. us. Right, that's, that's yeah, done. Yeah, you're so said. sorry. Right. Uh, if we never guard a machine, then we're not going out there. You're going to fabricate gonna a go, guard. Yeah, wall. we're going to go out and throw all the guards on the machines. Right. You know, well, That's not going to happen. And we don't do that at Airlight anyway. Right. I mean, everything's guarded. Right. Everything's done well. But we just want to make sure there's no surprises that Absolutely. are out there. And, uh, so, and so we're just moving out, doing an inspection, as we would always do. But this kind of prompted just a regular inspection to make sure that things are to yeah, their usual yeah. high standard. Right. Right. And so it's that such a dynamic work environment that if you don't do that, I mean, right. things change constantly. 
Well, it's Robert. The day. It's not Robert. What is the what is the 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 rule? The law? The Murphy's, oh, Murphy's law. law. Murphy's Something law gonna, happens to exactly. Yeah. That's so, going to be the one day. And I that had somebody... that one time. If I'll tell you a funny story about sure. this guy. So we were doing an inspection. We had, OSHA showed up, and they were out. I think there was a wall to wall inspection mm-hmm. or whatever. And and there was this pretty seasoned OSHA compliance officer that was there. And mm-hmm. I was talking to him, and I looked over his shoulder and saw this guy. <laughs> right. Up on top of this unit that we were building at this plant that, right. that I work at this company I work for, and the guy was had crawled out over the edge of the machine, and he's holding on with one hand and leaning down head first, of course, coming down the wall trying to reach this thing that he was going to adjust. It was not a standard work practice, I right. can promise you that. <laughs> right. that. And he's but behind the OSHA guy? He's right behind the OSHA guy. And I'm trying to hear the OSHA guy, but I'm looking at this guy, and all I'm hearing is womp, 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 womp. <laughs> and I'm just dying, hoping this compliance officer doesn't turn around and look at this thing. But the guy that we had sent out to move ahead of us to look for things like that, right, right. you know, I saw him go up the ladder and walk out and kind of grab the guy and pulled him back. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could see the finger in the chest right. thing going on. And, you know, they walked down and went on about oh, their business. Yeah. And and so that's the reason. That Crisis would, averted. Exactly. Hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> right. We fixed that. We fixed it well. That person, you Good. know, we had a come to Jesus conversation yeah. with him about oh, yeah. that it didn't, it wasn't that because OSHA was there right. that we were upset right. about that. It was the fact that he put himself at risk. But that's when people are going to do the dumbest things they do. is when OSHA is right there. They you know, And, when, you know, we, I've had this conversation literally hundreds of times. People have asked me particularly since I've been a compliant or a, a consultant, but even back when I worked for OSHA, mm-hmm. when I was the compliance assistance person, we talked about OSHA inspections a lot. And I think it's absolutely appropriate to send someone out into the work environment for that very reason. I agree with you. You're not going to create programs that didn't exist. You're not going to do training that hadn't been conducted, but you can certainly identify and correct those little you know, those little subtle little changes, things that you don't necessarily, right? they're not permanent. They, they, you know, things are being moved. People are, you know, parking equipment and whatever. Right. Um, I think actually I was insulted if people didn't do that when I was making inspections, you know, <laughs> yeah. I felt like they didn't respect me enough to, you know, to go out and try to address those <laughs> that's things. A good, so, that's a good point. you know, people, I think people are sometimes reluctant to do that. They feel like that is inappropriate, but I think it's absolutely right. appropriate. It would be inappropriate if you went out and suddenly you start throwing on all the guards that you right, should have been on right. all along. That or would... you're, yeah, or like the construction guys used to do. I remember I would step into the general's trailer to do the opening conference. You'd come out and the entire work site would be empty. Right. You know, they just evacuated 400 guys <laughs> in a matter of 10 minutes while I was doing an opening conference in the general's trailer. Uh, the most remarkable, I mean, if they could coordinate their work that well, they wouldn't have any problems with OSHA, you know? But they're evacu. I mean, that was the old days, man. Yeah. Crickets. You'd hear crickets chirping when you stepped out of the trailer. <laughs> Everybody was funny. gone. But I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, first of all, you know, that notification list, right. making the calls. From a, I, I guess it's not, I don't want you to divulge uh, things that maybe aren't appropriate, but are there any circumstances under which you would request a warrant from OSHA if they showed up? I mean, is that is that something that we can talk about? Or Yeah, no, it's not in our policy. We don't have a, a steadfast, but it would be an executive decision to okay. require that. That would be above you, yeah. above your oh, pay grade? Yeah. I would definitely. You would just consult with your boss? I wouldn't just walk boss. out and tell them, you know, you just, yeah. Get your bag and turn around and get the hell out of here. <laughs> no. But no. I, I, but you can negotiate. I think that OSHA is pretty reasonable. Oftentimes, you can negotiate. Say, look, that 
we we don't have that machine's not running or whatever your concerns are. Right. This is not going to work today. Uh, right. And they may right. work with you. They don't have to, but they sure. may work with you if you're open and they know that you have some in, some integrity about you. And no doubt, and, uh, yeah. that, that's one of the other things I would say is one of the things we really emphasize is is never ever lie to the OSHA guy. Right. Don't do it. No matter how bad the answer is, if they ask you a question. And what I train to is that that if they ask you a question and you're 99.9% sure the answer is bad, tell them you don't know for sure because there is that one right. little there's one, an, element, there's an element that maybe I'm right. wrong right. that this answer could be something different. <laughs> right. But if you know, uh, uh, if, if if saying I don't know, let me check and get back to you as an appropriate answer to a question, even if you know that you're probably this is not going to come out good. Yeah. Go ahead and give yourself that pause. Maybe you'll be surprised and find out. Oh, they do have that log. Wow, right. who knew? Right, you know. Right, and um, and so and the other thing is, don't. Uh, and this maybe I shouldn't reveal this, but don't. If the answer's bad, you confirm the answer's bad. Then wait for them to ask again. And then if they ask, you be honest and just own right. it. I mean, you you drop the ball on that one. It's going to cost you some money, and yeah, that's man. just the way but that is. No, but that, don't that is, lie. That is really good advice. Yeah. I have, you know, I, I had been lied to many times. Oh, you imagine. know when you're being lied to. It's not a big secret. It's it, it's very obvious. You know, it's like right. the teacher up front. Nobody can. Nobody. You know, she can't see me cheating. I'm. Back <laughs> in, well, she sees everything. You know, yeah. and it's just kind of like as from an OSHA's perspective. You can tell when you're being lied to, I right. think, and that's I, that is great advice, man. So, but also, I would agree with you that um, you know, it, again, it's it's changed somewhat. When I was with OSHA out in the field, when I was making inspections, um, you know, requesting a warrant was very common. We were told to leave and get a warrant uh, frequently. It seemed like right. you know, back in the '90s and early 2000s, and then. I think companies kind of realized, hey, this is a cost of doing business. This OSHA thing isn't going to go away. We need to, you know, we need to understand it and deal with it. And more often than not, people were cooperative. They wanted to be cooperative. But, uh, you know, as I counsel most of my clients, I think I can envision a scenario where requesting a warrant would be appropriate, you know, the appropriate step. But, but your point about a negotiation, that opening conference truthfully is a negotiation right. to some degree. OSHA believes that the inspection is theirs and they're going to control the inspection. But as the host, as the as the uh, company being inspected, you do have some control over we that. Do. We actually that's the other thing we cover in that in that pre meeting is that if we know that we can limit the inspection, they're here to see a particular machine. Right. We'll quickly talk about well, what's the best way to get them to that machine without taking right. them through problem areas. Right. right? Exactly. And so uh, we wouldn't go which as far you are as allowed to, to do. Yeah, we wouldn't go as far as to like take. Well, we might go outside and around, I suppose, but you know, within reason, we're going to try mm-hmm. to take you through unproblematic right. areas. And right. And and again, that's something that you're right. The person that you send out ahead of of the group could. Just ensure that the route that you have selected is yeah, that reasonably. Not, yeah, they haven't. You know, you know, somebody dug a trench in it or something, right? Oh yeah, man. I got I got to take. You know, um, I was escorted around the outside of the building on more than one occasion. Right. So where, how did you respond to that? Was uh, that did you, you know? I mean, I mean, you know me, man. I'm I'm pretty easygoing. Right. I don't. I didn't get all fired up about it. So if it was. Um, done. You know, requested professionally. I. You know. I mean. 
particularly if you're there on a limited scope inspection, it was a complaint possibly, or right. I was there to look at a particular piece of equipment or a particular process, right. and they wanted to walk me around the outside of the building and in the back door, which was immediately adjacent to that process. Right. I got it. Right. I understand how it worked, and I didn't take offense to that. You know, I did have a guy ask me one time if he could put a bag over my head, <laughs> you know, and walk me out to the, you know, and... Uh, Look, man, as I've said before many times, I went through fraternity initiation. I'm not having a bag on my head again. You know, we're not doing that. But that seemed like a little bit extreme request, maybe over the top. But, hey, man, I mean, I would never minimize the importance of this relationship between OSHA and the regulated community. But I think it's important as employers, we understand our rights right. and we exactly. exercise our rights. That's, exactly. Yeah. That is perfectly and acceptable. And the it's not always intended know to, if you don't ask. Right. So. It's not intended to offend anybody. Right. But I, I can remember on more than one occasion where I would show up to make an inspection and for whatever reason, the equipment was down or something else was going on that was that really required their attention. They would ask me if I would come back tomorrow or I'm sorry, my plant manager's not here. My safety manager's not here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not allowed to let you in if they're not here. Would right. you come back tomorrow? And I think that's better than saying, get a warrant. Right. You know, get a warrant has that kind of an adversarial tone to it. Right. But if you can come back tomorrow and then the compliance officer simply calls the office and finds out from their boss whether that's doable. I mean, it's it doesn't necessarily trigger a warrant application. Right. And we've had situations where that was kind of the case. And they said, well, let's do the opening conference now. And we'll right. just sit in the conference room and right. get that done. And I'll be back tomorrow. We'll go straight out to the plant. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that's a better approach. Yeah. But I know that some people are just adamantly opposed to ever requesting a warrant. Well, the, uh, the other thing, too, there, is there are times when it's appropriate. We have a we have a little training process that we have, a little training program. I have a little PowerPoint that goes into managing the ocean inspection. And the other one is is just out on the production floor. I was going to make a point now. I'm forgetting it. Um, but was was uh, just making sure that when, when you're doing um, the – what the, was it? The opening conference, we're talking about warrant requests or – yeah, we're talking about warrant requests. Now I lost it. I had a I had oh, a wonderful right, thought man. and it fell out somewhere on the floor over here somewhere. No, that's okay, man. No, no, it'll come back to you. That happens to me constantly. Uh. <laughs> but so you've prepared your your you've prepared your staff for uh, the contingency of OSHA showing up on site and how we're going to proceed. Right. Uh, everybody has a role, certainly. They, it's um, not clear. I mean, it's not. It would be more defined at the moment that they come. That we, she would call those people. We would huddle up and mm-hmm. we would make a decision about going. Typically, right. it would be me and the the plant manager would mm-hmm. go out, and I would talk to them. I'd refresh them right. on whatever training we've done about right. Right. Uh, the OSHA. I wish I'd actually read through that thing. I could have probably addressed uh, this a little better. But if anybody right. wants no, to, if you want a copy of the the what we do to train our managers and prepare mm-hmm. for it, I'd be glad to to share that. Well, as well, and I think that's really important. That's again, people sometimes find these things. Um, I don't know if it, distasteful isn't the right word, but they're a little they're a little concerned about doing some of these things. But I've told my clients there is absolutely nothing wrong with talking to your employees about an OSHA inspection. Yeah, what happens when OSHA shows up? Do you have to be interviewed if they ask to interview you? You know, what are your rights as an employee or as an employer? And I know people get a little squeamish when I talk about that stuff, but as you've said, I mean. You, you never encourage them to lie. You actually discourage that. Right. And you don't put words in their mouth. You you know just tell them to be open and honest and yep. to the best of your ability, answer the questions that are asked of you. I mean, if any of the OSHA guys and, and 
Most of them are still friends of mine in the office. If any of them hear me say this, they're they're probably laughing because they know <laughs> this is what I tell my clients, you know. Uh, but um, again, I mean, there are protocols and rules for this yeah. activity, and I think you know both sides need to understand those. Well, the other thing, what I was going to say is also we have a kind of a list of things to watch for and to to make note of that when the compliance officer is doing the inspection that you would take pictures of whatever they take pictures of. Right. If you can, although they, I've noticed that they discourage this now, but I try to catch them in the picture, taking the picture, so that I can get their point of view, and then maybe mm-hmm. I can take it from a different Well, it is a, it is a perspective oftentimes. Right. The right. hazard is more or less obvious based on the perspective of that picture. Right. And you so know. you can show that maybe something's entirely mm-hmm. different from a different vantage point. Yes. Um, and so we talk about that and taking those mm-hmm. pictures and anything that the compliance officer says that's really good about your program, make good note of that mm-hmm. because, you know, you can use that you later. Can you can bring that back up right. in, the, in a closing conference or in an informal conference. Exactly. Certainly. Well, you're, you know, they've talked, you know. You yeah, that's good advice. These things are really, you know, uh, um, you said that we have a great safety program, mm-hmm. but you're nailing us on this or right. the other thing is if they minimize if the compliance officer minimizes the, the seriousness of it make note of that that it's mm-hmm. not that big a deal mm-hmm. uh certainly you know you kind of tread in a little bit of a, uh an area here but if you see the compliance officer doing things that are unsafe or unwarranted yeah. uh, to make note of those things right if it's really a safety concern then why is the compliance officer holding that electrical panel <laughs> right, right sure <laughs> and so well that's interesting that you say that um Truthfully, to even be opening panels, you should be a qualified person. Right. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case for everyone. I mean, I I used to open panels freely without hesitation back, you know, uh, many, many years ago. Now I have learned so much more about electrical safety, NFPA 70E, those types of things. Right. That I ask the host to have someone open panels for me. Right. Because you open that panel up and there's a bunch of missing breakers or something, you're essentially exposed to energized parts and now we've tread into this you know uh kind of a prohibited activity frankly so it you know the the compliance officers uh, to their credit it is an incredibly difficult job to inspect different facilities every day i mean you're always lost you're always somewhat confused you don't necessarily even know what you're looking at half the time right so i I give them the benefit of the doubt, but you're right. They really shouldn't be putting themselves in harm's way. And they're not encouraged to do that. They're certainly discouraged from doing that. So And requiring that they wear whatever PPE or necessary, that they don't get right. a pass on any of that. And those right. are things that we, you know, we Yeah, no require. doubt. Yeah, they need to comply with whatever right. the host's requirements would be. But usually, and I've always found that OSHA, the compliance officer, would be very professional and that if you are reasonable and they and you develop a yeah. good re- reputation with them, and I think that Airlight has done that, and I think I've done it over the years. I would is, agree. Is that I would you agree. develop this reputation, and, and if they have the opportunity to give you the benefit of the doubt, they will. And, I, th- I I think that's absolutely true. So. And I think, I think you know, reputation is a big part of it. Right. Uh, every company has a reputation in the area office, at least. And I speak only from my experience with the Omaha area office. Mm-hmm. But every company has a reputation, good or bad. And, and I know that this is not um, the company line, but it impacts how you do your inspections. Right. I mean, my boss's head would be blowing off right now if I was still working for OSHA and saying that. <laughs> but the truth is... You know, I, I remember one time I was giving a presentation as an OSHA person at the Safety Council. Mm-hmm. We were talking about inspections. And I said, just, you know, my advice is just treat the compliance officer professionally. 
um, and everything should go fine. And my boss at the time, a gentleman who shall remain nameless, <laughs> took me aside afterwards and said, you can't say that. They can treat the compliance officer any way they want to, and they're still going to get the same inspection. And I said, if you believe that, uh, you've, you've been out of the field too long, you know? <laughs> and he had, you know? Yeah. But the reality is, if, if uh, an employer was giving me a raft of shit about making an inspection, um, I would give them the full benefit of all of my training when I did that when I was in the war, you know? I mean, so, I don't know, man. I mean, hey... You know, you you pick however you want to deal with your inspections, but I think professional is the appropriate yeah, course. Yeah, you know? professional and kind. And you don't want to be overly friendly. They're you're, they're not there to make new friends. They're not groveling or whatever. Right. But and he's got a family. He wants to get home. Right. He exactly. To, he's not going to be there after four thirty if he can help it. Right. <laughs> and that goes back to the first point: is you make that opening conference last as long as you possibly exactly. can. Exactly. Get as close to four thirty as possible. Right. Get donuts and all of those. Things. That's funny. And, yeah. Yeah, man. But that's true. I think. I guess the take-home message from that is you do need to be prepared. Yes, you need you to be prepared. If you have a good safety program, if you're reasonably diligent about identifying and tracking hazards through to correction, mm-hmm. you inspect and you train your people about what those hazards are and what they need to do to control them, and uh, and you're reasonably diligent about that, mm-hmm. I think that your inspection with OSHA is going to go pretty well. Absolutely. They, there's going to be things that they might find. There's, yeah, you know, and that that's And the fines are not, you know, to be ignored, but, but certainly it's uh, – you know, it could be a whole lot worse if you weren't ready. As you said, though, um, if you're working a good safety program, if and, and this is what uh, the former assistant secretary used to say, find the hazards and fix the hazards. If you have a system in place to do that and you have some evidence to support that you're doing that, mm-hmm. I think your inspection typically goes okay. Oh, yeah. Well, it's you also know? the first step towards having, if you do get a citation, towards having that dismissed. If you can show that... Had you seen that hazard oh, before they did, you you can show that you would have identified it and you would have fixed it. Right. That it's employee misconduct. Right. Then that's yeah. a, that's a get out of jail free card, right? Yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. So, or isolated incident. There was yeah. a there was an affirmative defense, employee misconduct or isolated incident. Right. We have a system in place. We can demonstrate that we have been finding and fixing hazards. Right. And this one just happened to occur, right. and we hadn't found it yet. And, yeah, but so it doesn't. It wasn't an indictment of our system. Right. We just hadn't found it yet. Right. It just it just popped up when you were there. Exactly. Or, you know the whatever. Or you planted it. You, you like. planted it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. You sent yeah. somebody in here. No so, doubt. So, oh, yeah. That's so good. that that's uh, that's a, a big part of it. That's good advice. Yeah. All right, man. Let's. Um, one thing I would love to hear. I mean, um, I guess I mentioned this at the beginning before we started was. One thing I want the listeners to be able to leave today with is any uh, any tools or resources or websites or books or do you is there anything that you use as a safety professional that you find very helpful? I, I get a lot of publications and I sign up for all of them, uh-huh. so I would do that. I would sign up for whatever safety publications are. The National Safety Council is a good right. is a good resource. Right. Uh, OSHA themselves are a pretty good resource. I don't know if they have the compliance assistance specialist that's still there. They Not in Omaha at this point. Yeah, I think there was, might be one for the region. That was a good one. There's also the the voluntary protection or the the uh, what is the SHARP pro not the SHARP mm-hmm. program but the what is the I used to work for them. Geez, the uh, compliance assistance. Uh, oh, OSHA consultation. OSHA consultation. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
And so right. th- that's available to people if they, yeah. you know, if they want to. But I mean, do you have any, do you have an app on your phone that you, like an inclinometer or something? I used to, I used to have all these, <laughs> I had an inclinometer. I could measure staircase angles and stuff uh, on my phone, like a sound level I meter. Have a sound level meter I on mean, my phone. Some of those things are really and useful. just the pictures, actually, the photographs. I, rather than taking notes anymore, I just take a picture of it. And then, and then if I need to, I back it off a of perspective mm-hmm. and, then about you know every day or so, I go through all of my pictures and I have to resolve those. I either send the note or I send a picture and say we need to fix this or right. or you know that, open that safety really has changed tracking. the game a little bit. It, yeah, so taking a picture of it is the is probably that's probably the tool I use more mm-hmm. than anything. Your phone, your phone yeah, camera, my phone camera. Yeah, isn't that, that it? When I started with OSHA, we had these shoulder carried video cameras. Uh, like the old uh, TV reporters on the scene, you know, and we were literally <laughs> carrying these into facilities oh and God. shooting video. And then it went down to the small recorders and then digital cameras. And now probably, you know, they're probably using their phones and right. just putting it all in a cloud and some OSHA cloud somewhere that's probably dark <laughs> and rainy or whatever. You know, but, but, you know, I mean, uh, that, that has changed the game a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. The ability to just be able to snap a picture of something and capture it or send it, forward it to a, a responsible party or whatever. Right. Really makes us easier. And then you can drag easier. that right into, well, for us, we use SharePoint. I mentioned that earlier. Right. And that's, that's a, I love SharePoint. It's a, once you've learned it, it's a really, really good tool. You can set up inspections and track those. Any data, any list, anything that you keep safety wise, if you have SharePoint, uh, it's, you can create any kind, kind of, um, um, programs that you want oh, to, for database. That sounds good. Yeah, that's so. valuable. I think everybody needs some type of a system like that right. at this point. And they have inspection apps and really good inspection apps and that, that are out there. Mm-hmm. I haven't, and I, I, I'm taking a look at one now to see if we want to start using that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just requires some setup and things like that. Sure. So it's, okay. it'll take me a while to get there. Okay. Done. Well, man, um, let us let wrap things up. Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, if you were talking to a new safety guy, right? You know, somebody new to the profession. Any advice that you would give them? I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's all right. I, I typically always would tell them. You know, one of the one of the things is that the person I learned the most from is that grumpy maintenance guy. You know, yeah, he's that guy that doesn't. You know, he's going to make you go find the standard. He's he's. You know, he's just going to push you into the corners and make you do your job before he does his. Right, right. So don't take offense at that. And when, you know, don't be afraid to say you don't know. If you're new at it, embrace that. I'm not sure. Let me find out. That's your opportunity to go get some education, to read the book, to call somebody. Call me, call Doug, call whoever. Find, start finding some answers. Be, you know, be humble about it. And, uh, And also, I would say... Uh, to personalize it, that that what we're doing, what you and I are doing, Doug, and what other safety professionals are doing, is we're looking out for people's family. We're looking out for the people that we love, and we're right, looking out because right. somebody, that person that's about to get hit by that fork truck is somebody's dad. That's somebody's grandfather. That's somebody's grandson. Mm-hmm. You know, no doubt. And if you put it in those terms, if you you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this stop sign here because I don't want someone's grandmother getting run over. Mm-hmm. That that just in my mind, take, it puts my job in perspective, and that's really what it's all about. It's about serving that greater good, and yeah. so. If you're if you're going to be a safety professional, you're going to take on a responsibility that's much more immense than whatever the widgets or whatnots are that are getting pushed out the door that everybody right. else is paying attention to. So just remember that, and and also remember, you know, when you start getting pushback, uh, if you're sure about what you're talking about, and you've done your homework, and you've come back prepared that this is where we need to go and this is what we're going to do, then uh, then be ready to stick your heels in. And I Stand think at ground. the end of the day. Yeah. 
people will respect that. People will appreciate that. I think that people appreciate me. They, you know, I know that people say things, you know, behind sure. my back and I'm sure. okay with that. But I think overall, I think the comment, uh, well, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the comment's going to be that they would rather have me watching than someone right. that didn't give a dang. Right. Watching, Absolutely. You know? So if you're that's, grand and I've put this on a guy one day, I said, would you want someone with my attitude looking out for your grandson's safety, or would you want someone with that person's attitude right. looking out for your grandson's safety? And always they want, and I want them to always say, they want someone with my attitude looking out mm-hmm. for their Well, their I think when you put it in terms like that, it, it, it changes the perspective a little bit. And um, yeah, I think everybody would agree that's what with it's that. That's all about. Yeah. That's right. Man, I think that's a great note to end on. Jim, as always, thank you for your time. I yeah, appreciate it. It's been a lot insights. of fun. I look forward we'll to it. We'll do it again. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right, man. talk about VPP or something. Very good. Thanks. Right. Take care. A Parkville Media Production.